0: I think they have the potential to become more valuable than the teams the AAC just lost. What's up, everybody? It's Trey Smith. Welcome to another episode of the College Game Time Podcast. I have got a locked and loaded schedule for today's show. And I'm going to start with um, some breaking news. It's not really news, but it's breaking and it's a report uh, but before I get into it, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. If you're listening on Spotify, which the link is in the description, those of you watching on YouTube that prefer Spotify, I've got that set up. Uh, and I'll have Apple shortly. But if you're listening on one of those streaming platforms, give it a five-star rate and review. Help it get up there in the algorithm, and let's, uh, let's take this podcast to number one on the charts. Very excited. Our first official episode uh, last night, within the first 24 hours, it's about to hit 3,000 uh, downloads, plays, listens, views, all the above, uh, over 3,000, actually. So anyways, let's get to today, tonight, um, And let's start with this SMU to the ACC report that just came out from Yahoo News and Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger, uh, Yahoo Sports, ACC considering SMU in addition to Cal and Stanford in expansion talks. Now, this is fresh. I need to think on this one before I really give my perspective and comments on it but I'll give you sort of my three knee jerks to seeing this news pop up as I'm getting ready to record this episode. Uh, First thing is, is the ACC worried about losing more teams? And so they're bringing SMU into the fold, right? There's a lot of smoke around Florida State, Clemson to the SEC. We know the Big 10 wants to add North Carolina and Virginia. So is, is the ACC trying to prepare for, for a little bit bigger of an exodus than initially thought? I think you also got to throw Miami in there. I think the Big Ten has expressed interest in them in the past as well. So is the ACC trying to gear up for losing more teams? That's the first knee-jerk. The second knee-jerk is are things not going as planned with Stanford and Cal? I don't know if maybe Cal's saying we can't afford this. What, what you're sending us, what we have, uh, we got to figure some other option if there is one. Or is Stanford going, you know, we're just going to go independent. Stanford should just say we're going to go independent. And if the ESPN, if you networks need West Coast coverage, then you come sign an exclusive deal with us. Or we're going to go sign an exclusive deal with Apple. <laughs> Kidding. But that's what makes all this realignment stuff so so frustrating, but also so exciting <clears throat> and, and, and very fluid is the fact that the networks are controlling everything, which sucks for the purity of the game. But it's also the reason why things are literally changing every hour, in some case, every half hour. So obviously right now, as I'm recording this, SMU is linked to the ACC. By the time I get it done, edited and posted, or exported and posted, it could be a totally different ball game. So, anyways, one is the ACC planning on losing more teams. Two, are things not going as planned with Stanford and Cal? And then three, is this all just a smokescreen for something else? You know, is 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 it a smokescreen from the from the ACC side? Is it a smokescreen from the SMU side? You know, it's no secret that SMU is desperately trying to go power five uh, or power four or power two whatever but get into that autonomous five like we talked about last night as it pertains to the aac which it sounds like it might be the autonomous four because the pac 12 is about done so that would take them out which from my vantage point if you're the aac getting back to the conversation from last night all right that opens up a spot not that they would allow someone in, but you know, if you need a three, two vote, you need, you need a majority, not an expert on how all that works. Some of you actually are probably more fluent in that language as far as the autonomous five and, you know, the bureaucracy that surrounds it and how people get in and out of it or whatever. Uh, quite frankly, I'm ready to talk football, but either way, SMU's trying to get into that club and I mean, I'm, I'm starting to think they may even pay their way in if that's what it's going to require, but I think that would be stupid for them to do. I personally think they need to just kind of hang tight and just let a f- couple more dominoes fall, mainly the Stanford Cal. Um, Because if the ACC is just another burning ship like the Pac-12 was, well then SMU fans, you're just in for another year long journey of thinking you're gonna go power five, thinking you're gonna go power five, just to at the 11th hour realize, oh, this conference doesn't even exist anymore. So not saying that's gonna happen, but it just, maybe maybe sit tight and, and, and see if maybe the situation you're in can improve significantly more if not to the point of reaching that autonomy status. So is it a smoke screen? Are things not going as planned with Stanford and Cal? Or is the ACC planning on losing more teams? You let me know what you think. Do you think this would be wise for ACC? Do you think this would be wise for SMU? What are your thoughts in the comments? I'm curious to know. Let's move on to the next thing. And it was the Dennis Dodd report from earlier today about the sort of rumored Pac-12 Mountain West Uh, merger, right? There was a meeting that happened on Monday and that, that conversation has sort of bled over into some of the things I've been discussing on this channel. And there have been some comments and some chatter that I've seen on this channel that I also want to address in this episode as it pertains to that merger, because the AAC was kind of being linked into that. But bottom line is Dennis Dodd of CBS reported that the A, A, uh, the, The Mountain West Conference and the Pac-12 possibility of a merger is dead. It's done. And according to his report, I don't have it in front of me. Actually, yes, I do. It was San Diego State that was attempting to sort of broker this whole deal, and it failed. So San Diego State being another team who desperately wants to go power five understandably so and this was i guess their last hail mary to try and keep the pack together according to the report didn't work so that that is not going to happen now in the midst of that talk there was also some talk of should the aac look to merge with the mountain west to bring in those remaining four pack schools and then collectively that that sort of cohort or collection of teams can maintain the autonomy autonomous five status together and what i've seen people suggesting which i adamantly disagree with is that the Americans should offload their newcomers and basically take their existing members maybe the top tier and sort of merge with the mountain west and add the four Pack schools, and so obviously the newcomers they're referring to are schools like Rice, FAU, Charlotte, UAB, UNT, and UTSA, and I, I want to I sit here and try to make a case uh, today, let me make sure I got my updated notes here, for why, in my opinion, that's a horrible idea. Get this on my screen, here we go, sorry if y'all just heard a noise, because... Between those six teams, you know, let me start here, okay? A lot of people have been down on Oresko, right? Because he lost the teams that he lost, and then the decisions and the choices of who he made to bring in. I, I mean, I personally kind of like the teams that he brought into the conference, and I'm going to try and share with you in this episode tonight as to why. And I'm going to try and go fast, but, um, you know, Sorry, I keep losing my notes. So basically, you had UCF, Houston leave, and everyone's been, oh, he replaced them with Charlotte and FAU and Rice and, and UTSA and these schools and... And it, it's it's almost like what what was he supposed to do? Who was he supposed to go after and get? And I know some of the schools, some of you are going to leave in the comments right now and go ahead and put them. That's fine. But if you'll just hang with me for just a second, let me talk you through why I believe that the teams that he's added have the potential to be just become just as valuable to the conference as Houston and and UCF and Cincy were, if not more valuable. Okay. I'm going to mainly parallel a couple of these teams to Houston and UCF because if you go back in time to when Houston and UCF joined the AAC, they were coming from a very similar situation as a couple of teams who just got added from the Conference USA. Since he's a little bit different, obviously because they were coming from the Big East, so I'm going to probably kind of leave them out of of this particular discussion. But let's just kind of go through the list, and I'm going to go through, I put a tweet up earlier today, and it, it sparked some good conversation about the lack of foresight I feel like some people have as it pertains to the new additions to the American Athletic Conference and the value of, of, of that they potentially will be able to bring with the increased revenue and exposure that they're going to be getting for the American, uh, being in the American Conference. And I'm going to start at the top of my list. Well, I'll go Rice, okay? Listen, I'll give you Rice if you're one of the people making this argument, all right? I, I mean, unfortunately, I hear you on that. I, I I don't know that I would include Rice into one of the programs that's just gonna add a ton of value. Academically, sure. Competitively, eh, I don't know. Now, they do have the kid, the former USC, Georgia, West Virginia, uh, JT Daniels is a quarterback now. They got the McCaffrey brother out there as well, so... Hey, we'll see, but listen, I'll, I'll give you rice. FAU, quite frankly, I haven't seen a lot of disrespect towards FAU, and, and, and I'm sure it has to do with the Final Four run this past year in basketball combined with the Lane Kiffin years in football that brought a lot of notoriety to the program, even as a Conference USA program. The basketball coach seems planted, seems like he wants to stay there. He signed, I think, a 10-year extension, Pretty much has his whole team coming back. Um, and I think they're, they're going to be a very competitive basketball team uh, uh, during, you know, this upcoming season. And, uh, look, obviously coaching changes and, and they, they sign these extensions. Do they really matter? Could they jump ship? But here's what I'll say. Uh, uh, what was it? Dusty May, like, he was the hottest coach on the market this past March. And he stayed put. Sounds like he really likes it in South Florida, Boca Raton, uh, FAU. So I think football and basketball. Then you throw in the fact that Tom Herman's coaching the football team. Not saying Tom Herman's going to be there long, but what he's shown in the past, like at Houston, the, whether he's there one, two, three seasons, I expect them to have some very good years under Tom Herman uh, uh, at FAU football. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if they're uh, playing for a conference championship this year look at his roster, look at his team. Uh, and then look what he did at Houston. This is not new for him. And you know, he's reunited with Casey Thompson. I actually asked him about him at AAC media days, but I'm not going to rabbit trail there. But FAU, like I said, they've, they haven't really popped up, but let's start with the first team. So we got Charlotte. Uh, I understand people's frustrations with the addition of Charlotte when you just look at them on paper their their recent history and I'm talking football now right a three and nine team coming from the conference USA didn't really make a lot of noise there but here's the thing they hit a home run with their head coaching hire with Biff Pogey Okay, and I saw someone had put up on Twitter today, oh, they hired a high school, went three and nine, hired a high school coach. Well, let me just tell you, refresh your memory or inform you for the first time in case you don't already know. And I shared this with the individual who commented that earlier today is an article I wrote about Biff Pogey because I'm going to continue to say that I was one of the three people at AAC Media Days that asked him a question, and I specifically asked him about his roster and his recruiting footprint in the DMV where he, he is a legend. And what he shared was, obviously, they want to recruit Charlotte, North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, a lot of good players there, but he said they have a strong presence in the DMV. And if you look at that roster, they have 52 new players, 16 transfers from power five schools and 25 players that are from St. Francis Academy, which is where he was a head coach in the DMV area, but 16 transfers from power five. And a lot of those were sec 52 new players. This is not the same team that went three and nine. And I'm going to tell you as someone who was in attendance at AAC media days and seeing the different players that were there representing the different schools, like Charlotte by far from my eyes, had the biggest dudes there. Not saying that there weren't other dudes that were big. FAU had a lineman that was huge as well, but it was like Charlotte like walking together. I mean, they had some big dudes. And I know it's not always about how big your team is, but point being is this is not the same three and nineteen. Then you throw in what Biff Pogey is adding from a marketing standpoint, which yes, that matters. He went viral for the table slap. He's going viral for cookie reviews. He's going viral for the cigar in his mouth. He's going viral for cut off sleeves. Guys, he's building interest in the conference, whether you like it or not. That's a good thing. So having him there and what he's already done with the roster. Now look, it's yet to be seen what, what translates to the field, but what he's done from a roster turnover standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, Charlotte's going to be a valuable team in this in this conference. And oh, by the way, there's a lot of money in Charlotte as well. So let's keep it moving. All right, let's talk about UAB. UAB reminds me, if you look at their recent five-year history under coach uh, uh, Bill Clark, and now they have Trent Dilfer. Let's just start there. They hired Trent Dilfer, former Super Bowl champion. Okay, yes, he's in a first year, and yes, he's had an unorthodox path to being a head division one football coach, but he hired who I believe is the best kept secret in all of college football and coach Mortensen, the former analyst at Alabama, who's been there for nearly the last decade. He's been a foundational pillar of what that Bama program has done. Um, People have been trying to hire him away from Nick Saban for years. And finally uh, he decided that, He wanted to leave and head to uh, uh, UAB to be with Coach Dilfer. So that's Alex Mortensen, former Razorback quarterback, former Samford quarterback, and spent like a little bit of time with the Tennessee Titans before getting into coaching. So look at their recent history coming into the conference. It mirrors very much what Houston and even UCF looked like when they transitioned from the Conference USA to the American UAB had two conference championships in the last five years. They've been to five bowl games and they had an 11-win season. That's a solid program. Last year, they kind of had that gap interim year. I don't even remember who their coach was, but it was a gap year before bringing Dilfer in, who appears to be leading the program in the right direction. They've got a former Baylor uh, transfer as their quarterback. So we'll see what they can do in year one, but I I have no doubt that give Dilfer some time and he's going to build that program back to what they were doing back with bill clark when they were competing for conference championships even though it was a different conference just like houston if you look at houston before they came in they had three bowl games two conference usa championship game appearances they did not win that was between Sumlin and i think tony levine maybe was his name i don't don't have it in front of me but they had a 10 win season an 11 win season uh they come into the american and in year three they're winning a new Year's six bowl finishing 12 and one that was tom herman's first year at houston so, it didn't take them long to adjust. And really, people talk about how valuable Houston is, and I get it. It's more from the basketball program. Okay. But football wise, I mean, outside of the Herman era, I mean, they hadn't really like turned any major corner, done anything beyond that. So, I could see UAB having a similar transition to the league that Houston had, where by year three, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with in the American. Uh, And then, of course, you have UCF, who came in the same year as Houston. Uh, They're a little bit different. See, I think UTSA is built a little bit more like UCF as it pertains to their debut year, debut season in the conference. And I got a couple minutes here. I'm going to try and wrap this up quick. But UTSA, they've got... Jeff trailer who 's thirty and ten, half of those losses were in his first season, so he 's twenty what is he twenty three and five over the last two seasons back to back conference championships uh, he 's gotten UTSA in the top twenty five from the conference USA the past two seasons he 's got both of his studs coming back he 's a legendary Texas high school coach, especially out in East Texas. He seems committed to UTSA as he signed a significant extension a couple of years ago. Listen, if a and or the Longhorns come and offer him a job in the next couple of years, former Texas high school coach, icon kind of in that, that network, those jobs don't come around very often. Hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate him for, for leaving for one of those or anything like that, but he does seem committed to UTSA, and he's, 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 he's done a phenomenal job. But I compare them to UCF because UCF came into the league – they had a conference championship. They had an 11-win and a 10-win season. They'd been to three bowls, but they were built. I mean, they were they were bringing back a very good team. And in their first year, they went 12-1 or 13-1, and, and it was the season that they beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. Don't be shocked if UTSA has a similar debut into the conference. See, we look at what UCF, Houston, and Cincy, what those programs are today leaving and it's like you can't expect the teams that came in to have that same profile but give those teams coming in a couple of seasons with this maybe not even a couple for a couple of them but with the revenue the increased exposure being on espn and next thing you know you've got a cohort of teams four or five teams that now have the same value as the three teams you just lost. And then finally, I want to talk about North Texas, because this is a team that I feel like flies under everybody's radar, and and this could be the team that really benefits the most from playing in the American Athletic Conference. So let me start here. They've got 375,000 alum living in the DFW Metroplex. I'm one of them. Okay, I've got degrees. If you follow me, you know I, I, got, I got a degree from University of Arkansas and I have a degree from North Texas, okay? And, and I'm going to talk about when they played each other in just a second, which is, is, is bittersweet, bit, bittersweet. But uh, uh, this is a team where they're located. They could build a roster that competes for conference championships year in and year out without having to drive further than 90 minutes because of where they're located. And, and what I mean is by getting the low-hanging fruit, in the area where they're at. They don't even have to go get the top guys. Just go get the lower tiered guys. And you're going to have a lot better chance at getting them now with the increased revenue and exposure that you will have to offer. Um, this is what I thought was interesting. Since 2018, they've played three regular season games on linear ESPN TV. And you can fact check that. But three, I believe two of them were on the SEC network and one was on ESPNU. And you know what happened in one of those three games? They went viral. They were the talk of college football all over media networks, all over social media. And yes, I'm talking about the fake fair catch in the game where they went into Fayetteville and absolutely demolished Chad Morris's Arkansas Razorbacks. Unbelievable. So... This is a team, and I think that year they won nine, maybe ten games. I don't remember specifically, but they had Mason Fine. They had Jalen Guyton, who was a former Allen Eagle from Allen, Texas, who went to Notre Dame and transferred back. I feel like that's the type of guys they could attract more of as they get into this conference. And, 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 And like I said, continue to get that exposure, that revenue, that access. I mean, now they're in a conference where if they win the conference, they could get a playoff spot. North Texas has never had that level of access. So now if you can take those elements and try to connect with that alum of 375,000, which look, most of them have other teams they cheer for, whatever. But if you can start to become somewhat relevant in linear, like like national TV, like you're going to be able to engage those people. And so... I don't know, man. I feel like UNT, UTSA, uh, UAB, Charlotte, and of course, FAU. Like I think they have the potential to become more valuable than the teams the AAC just lost. And I think it could help make that case to try to make a bid for autonomy, Autonomous 5 status, even though it sounds like that's about to go to Autonomous 4, which, I mean, the writing's been on the wall for that for a while now. We're just waiting on the Pac-12 to officially dissolve. But, um, anyways, I'm approaching 25 minutes. I said I'm going to keep this between this podcast between 18 and 26 minutes. Uh, I think I or, or or wait, am I looking at the wrong clock? Maybe I'm closer to 23 minutes. Okay, I got whatever. Either way, that's it for today. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. What do, you, what do you agree with, disagree with? Do you disagree that these new additions could become valuable? And if so, that's fine, but tell me why. Or do you agree with it? Do you like the direction that the conference is headed? Are, do you feel like Oresco has set the table for further expansion, one, in the future, but then two, to maybe sort of become that fifth conference in the pecking order? Whether you get that autonomy five status or not, you're still that next conference in line. And um, let me know your thoughts. That's it for me today. Trey Smith, College Game Time.